Thank you for checking out our podcast today. We hope that the teaching you're about to hear will inspire you and motivate you on your incredible journey in becoming a better you. So please turn your attention to today's message. It is so good to be in the house of the Lord, isn't it? Oh my God, it's so good to be in his presence. That worship took me to a level. I don't know about you, but I couldn't wait to come into his house. Not because I had to speak. Trust me, that wouldn't make me stay home. But just to be in his presence, it is so good. Tell your neighbor, it is so good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Come on, tell him. When you start thinking about the goodness of the Lord and what he has done for you. I mean, there's that song that says, I want to jump. I want to turn around. I want to clap. And that's exactly what we should all be feeling, right? When we are in his presence. We're in his presence. The Bible says in his presence is the fullness of joy and blessings forevermore. And at his right hand. And we always go for his right hand because we like the blessings, right? But it's the fullness of joy is in his presence. And today I just, I have a word. (laughs) I prepare. (laughs) But I keep hearing the same thing. It is good. It is so, so good. And some of us like to come late and you're missing so much by coming late. You're missing so much because it is during this time of worship that we give unto God. But when you come just to hear the word, it's just because we're takers and not truly givers. But it's good. It is good. So I want to thank Pastor Jose and Pastor Becky. I know she doesn't want me to call her Pastor Becky, but she's my pastor. Amen. That's the... That's an anointing that you, that you have, that someone guides you. You know, your pastor teaches you, guides you, corrects you when you need to be corrected. And so you, you are that for me, Pastor Becky. You truly are, and I love you. I want to thank my husband for putting up with me. I always say the same thing. It's not, I'm not an easy person. <laughs> I'm not an easy person. I get very nervous, and it's from the day that I'm asked to the day to this moment. So I thank you for praying. And today I have a special guest. You know, you always need somebody in your life that is in your corners, no mat- your corner no matter what. No matter what. And this amazing woman of God is in our corner. She's my sister-in-law, Glenora Missy. She's the constant. She's the constant in my life and in the life of my children and my husband. And I just want to honor you. Because you are such a strong woman, and I'm such a privilege to call you sister. You know, I, I, I text her, say like, I am speaking, would you like to come? And I didn't hear anything. I was like, oh, I was disappointed. Not because I'm speaking, and she wasn't coming, so I just wanted to see her. So thank you for coming, and thank you for being who you are in our life. She's our, she's our Whitney Houston of our family. When she sings, if you close your eyes, you hear Whitney Houston. That's how awesome she is, and she's so humble. So thank you. I don't know why I'm playing around. I try not to wear my glasses, but you know I can't see anything. I can't see anything. I can't see you. I can't see the words. They're all blurry here. Father, we just thank you. We worship you. We adore you. We exalt your name like never before, oh God. It is so good to be in your presence today, oh God. I thank you for visiting us and staying with us for your Shekinah glory resting upon this house, oh God. I don't want to just say what I 
wrote on this paper, I want to say what you want me to say, oh God, today. I want to hide behind you, oh God, and I want to speak your words, oh God. I want to encourage your Father. I want to exhort people, oh Father. But most of all, I want to do your will today, God, in the name of Jesus. I thank you for allowing us to just be here. I pray for every woman that is here, every woman online, and men, and young child, and young woman. For your children, oh God, and for those that are going to become your children as they receive you as their Savior. I thank you today for allowing this little girl from Buenos Aires to stand here, not because of who she is or the degrees that she has or how she was raised, but simply because she loved her first. And I thank you for that, oh God. I thank you that it's not my own our strength, because when we are weak, you are made strong in us. So, Father, be made strong in me today, God, in the name of Jesus. And I thank you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. It is so good. So if I repeat that, that's all I hear in my spirit at this moment. It is good. It is good. Despite, in spite of your circumstances of what you're seeing around you, it is good. In spite of the hurt and the pain that people might cause you or what you have gone through, it is good. In spite of whatever is happening or your decisions that you have to make or your financial situation or your lack of job or your great job, in spite of all of that, it's still good. In spite of the fact that you might have been abandoned and hurt, adopted, molested, it is good. It is good because God is good. Maybe they don't feel good, but at the end, God is good. And no matter what we're going through at this moment, it is good because God is. Amen. So flourish, flourish is the theme of this month. It is you are meant to flourish. So tell your neighbor, you are meant to flourish. I don't know why you're trying to hide and act like you don't know that you're meant to flourish and you're questioning whether you're meant to flourish. I'm here to tell you today and to encourage you to just get it in your spirit that you are meant to flourish. And your meant means that you were created to flourish. It means that there is a destiny already placing you, not by you, not by your parents, not by your dad, or your mom, your grandparents, but by God himself for you to flourish. And when we're not flourishing, we're not doing what we were created to do. There are certain specific characteristics and, 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 um, and things that are unique to us that are needed in this world today. There is a reason why God decide, decided and decided that we will be here in this season, in this place, at this time, because there is something within us that he wants to show the world. And we can only demonstrate that if we're flourishing. We can't demonstrate God's greatness and goodness if we're just hiding behind a pillar, right? If we're not showing unto the world who God is, we can't really do any of that if we're just hiding and hoping that nobody sees us. And flourishing has nothing to do with your job. It does, has nothing to do with your degrees. And you know I've achieved some degrees, right? But my flourishing is not tied to any of that. It's not tied to my bank account, thank you, Lord. It's not tied to the cars that I drive, the house where I live, the children that I have. It's all tied to the presence of God in my life, in your life, in the life of all of us. Flourishing is growth 
in God's house, in the presence of the mighty God. That's what flourishing is all about. And so when we said you are meant to do that, there is not a question mark behind that. It's a statement of fact. You are meant to flourish. Even when you don't see it, even when you don't feel it, even if you're not, you say, you know, there's nothing that is happening in my life. Guess what? You are flourishing. You are flourishing at all times. I pray that when we say to each other, you are meant to flourish, that we're recharging each other, refocusing us, and remind us that we were created for this. We're meant to live in communion with God, but not only with God, with each other, because then we can encourage each other in our flourishing. We can feed each other. We can build each other up. That's what flourishing is all about. And just like there are things that we are meant to be and do, some of us are continuously walking lately on this, on this place of frustration and, and um, disenchantment and discouragement. And the reason is that we're being things and we're doing things that we were never meant to be or do. And so that affects our flourishing because we are walking outside the will of God. To flourish, you got to be standing, settled, rooted in God's will. That's what flourishing is about. And when we place our circumstances about God, above God, we trunk our flourishing. Because we're no longer just recognizing who God made us to be. But I want to tell you that God has not changed his mind. He intended this from Genesis 1. If you ever want to know what God's plan is for your life, go back to Genesis 1. At the beginning, there was. At the beginning, he spoke. At the beginning, he gave us work, right? At the beginning, he told us what we ought to be, which is flourish. He said that we ought to be fruitful, that we are to multiply, that we're going to walk in dominion. At the beginning, Genesis 1 already was talking about flourish, so flourish is not a new theme. It's not a new idea. Flourishing is what we were always meant to be, just like we were always meant to be in his presence in spite of ourselves. Even nature is waiting for us to flourish. The Bible says that nature is waiting for the manifestation of the children of God. The trees, the stars, the leaves, the the rivers, they are waiting for us to break through because flourish really means break forth. Flourish means to blossom. Flourish, Flourish means to grow, to develop, but most of it means to be who you were called to be even from the foundation. So flourish, the biblical definition is to put forth anew. Put forth your best foot forward, your best desire, your best idea, but not yours, but God's. It means to twinkle. You know when, I love children, I really do. And when you look, babies are gorgeous. And when you look at your, at, in, to them, you see that twinkle in their eye, that little, not twinkle, twinkle little stars, right? You see that desire. That's what flourish is. It means to revive. Flourish means to revive. And I was thinking that if it means to revive, that means that something was dormant or dead or not growing or not producing. Flourish means 
to revive. So today I'm here to tell you that it's time to flourish. It's time to come forth. It's time to blossom. It's time to do, to be in the right environment, the right soul, the right nourishment. Flourishing takes place when we are connected to the correct source and we are connected to the correct source. That source is God himself. It means luxurious, it means to grow luxuriantly, to thrive. Don't confuse thrive with striving. It is not striving. Striving, you strive when you're trying to do it all on your own strength. Psalms 46.1 says, Be still and know that I am God. And that be still says, means stop thriving. Stop doing things on your own strength. You are going to flourish not because of all the work that you are putting on your, all the, you know, you are tired. We're tired. We're exhausted because we're trying to do it on our own strength. And the Bible says, be still. Stop doing it on your own strength, doing it in God's strength, because He is God. Flourishing to me is all about growth and increase in stature vigorously and be able to just point and, and direct everything to God. To grow in your relationship with your father, to grow in your familial relationship, to grow in your marriage, to grow in your career, to grow in your, with your loved ones, to grow in compassion, to grow in self-control, in patience, I need that, to grow in joy, peace, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Our flourishing will not take place unless we're grounded in our relationship with Jesus. And you're going to hear, I'm going to be repeating that a lot. Because we hear a lot, all the things that we got to do on our own to demonstrate to the world that we're flourishing. And it's so simple. You got to be in Jesus. You got to have a relationship with him and be in his presence. So this, the Bible verse that was given for this month was Psalms 92, 12, 15. And if you can, um, you saw the messages, you are meant to flourish, right? And you say, like, why did she spell it that way? You'll find that. Amen. Psalms 92, 12 to 15 from the Living Bible says, But the godly shall flourish like palm trees and grow tall as the cedars of Lebanon, for they are transplanted. Another uh, version says, translation says, replanted. And another translation says, planted into the Lord's own garden. And are under his personal care. Isn't it amazing to know that you are under God's personal care? He's not, you know, um, um, I'm always told that I need to delegate, right? I'm not a good delegator. But I love to know that God doesn't delegate my care to anybody else. He is, I am under his personal care. You are under, under this infinite God's personal care. He doesn't tell anybody else to go care for you. He cares for you. Even in old age, they will still produce fruit and be vital and green. The King James says, they'll be fat and flourishing. I love that because, never mind, right? He said he'll be fat. <laughs> so I realized that I'm under God's will, right? He said it. <laughs> We're good, right? 
I love that fat means that you're full and that you're vibrant and you have life. Amen. Not how we use it. Amen. I'm not meaning to be unhealthy. It means healthy. All right. Don't go around and say, well, glad it said. I did not say for y'all to go and overeat. Okay. I did not. Verse 15 says, this honors the Lord and exhibits his faithful care. He is my shelter. There is nothing but goodness in him. It is good. The promise here does not refer to the material flourishing. It truly refers to the spiritual success and spiritual flourishing. So today we're going to be talking about this. Spiritual success can only be achieved by practicing his presence. Joshua 1, 8, 9, one of my favorite Bible verses, he says, you know, be strong and courageous. And we all love to stop and be strong and courageous, right? It's like, I'm going to be strong and courageous. But he puts a condition to our being strong and courageous. He said, meditate in the word of God, meditate in his word. So in order for me to be strong, in order for me to flourish, then I got to be in his word. I got to be meditating. And when you talk about meditation, and we were talking about that um, Miguel, um, on, on Wednesday, it's not the mm, kind of meditation, okay? It's not a new uh, age type of meditation. It's not the yoga type of meditation. That's not what I'm talking about. You know, it's not like sitting in the dark and trying to just hum. That's not what I'm talking about. The meditation word in there means regurgitate, okay? It is what the cows do. That's what he's asking you to do. And what do the cows do? I come from a, uh, a great agricultural country. The cows grab the grass, the word of God. They chew it. They have swallow it. And I know it's disgusting. They bring it back, they chew it some more, they have swallow it, they bring it back, they chew it some more until it's the consistency perfectly for them to swallow it. And that's exactly what we ought to do with the word of God. Amen. We got to chew it, eat it. We got to half swallow it, bring it back. Swallow it a little bit more. Don't just stand on the word that you receive on Sunday. We're going to have 50 million Bible verses here. Don't go home and just put your phone away and never go back. What you ought to do is every day, grab one of those Bible verses, regurgitate it throughout the day until it's powerful enough for you to swallow. And not just to swallow it because you said, okay, I learned another Bible verse. But so it makes a difference in your life. So it makes a nutritious, nutritional difference in your life. So you become to get strong and courageous because the word of God is what will make you strong and courageous. Some of us are always in fear. I don't feel too strong. I don't feel too courageous. I know I'm supposed to speak up. But we don't have the word in us. Be strong and courageous. Worshiping, praying, loving what he loves, adopting his ways. That's what makes that. So I like that the two trees that he mentions. I learned a lot about trees today. I mean, this week. I'm not, um, I don't, if you ask my husband and my children, I don't have a green thumb, okay? I've killed plants that people promised me they could not in any way whatsoever ever be killed. 
All right. My mentor had this plan for, I think, 15 years. It was all over her office. And when we moved, I was promoted and I was moved. She said, I'm going to give you this plan. I said, I don't know about that. I'm, don't take a chance. He said, oh, she's like, there's no way that you will ever kill this plan. I'm telling you, it grows. You don't even have to worry. Well, I killed the plant. <laughs> she came to me off and said, what happened? It started like, you know, little, and then it just had one leaf. And I said, well, you know how you say sometimes I have to water it? And she's like, yeah. Well, I had a cup of tea. That's water. And I was running out. And I didn't have to go to get water. And I figured since this was liquid, I'm just going to dump the liquid in that plant. And then I felt bad because I touched the ground and it was so dry, like you can actually lift the plant like this with the whole dirt, you know, it would just come out. So I went and I got water, but I got two jugs of water because it seemed like it wasn't drinking the water, but then the water was above the dirt. And she's like, and I tried to get it out, but... I didn't. Why am I telling you, sir? Not so you don't, you know, if you want to give me a plant, I would love it. I just know that it might not be there too long. All right? If you don't give the right nourishment to your plant, the right word of God, the Bible says that that's our water. And if you don't give the right amount, you're going to die. Trust me. I have three plants now, and I'm like, one my nephew gave me, and I'm like, I said, I love you, but you know. But my husband is taking care of it, so it's still alive. Since December, right, hon? I mean, that's, a, that's not a miracle. That's just definitely a miracle. My plant is still alive since December. I like because he talks, the Bible verse gives us two trees, two very different trees. One is the palm tree. It says, um, the... In Psalms 92.12, it says, The uncompromisingly righteous, those that live according to God's standards, shall flourish like the palm tree, be long-lived, stately, upright, useful, and fruitful, and shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon, majestic, stable, durable, and incorruptible. And so I don't know enough about palm trees except that uh, some of the, um, uh, their fruits are coconuts and some of them are, um, I thought bananas, but I'm not sure if bananas come from the palm tree, but that's what I thought it was. But in here it talks about the palm trees in Israel, they are, they are date-bearing fruit. And Miriam introduced me to the dates and they are the most sweetest Little, they all look great, but they are so good, right? I love the thing about the, the um, metaphor about the palm tree because the palm tree shows us how we ought to grow. These are tall trees. They grow upright. They grow straight, shooting up into heaven. I love this tree because this tree never breaks. It's one of the few trees that when it's in the middle of the storm, in the middle of a hurricane, when it's rain coming always, it bends, but it doesn't break. It's built differently than any other tree, just like you and I. 
And so sometimes we are in the middle of storms and we think that we're going to break, but you're a palm tree. You're not going to break. You're going to bend and it bends down to this. It bends down all the way to the ground and you think, oh my God, it's about to break. How many of you have felt that you're about to break, that you're in the middle of the circumstances you are, you're about to break? I know I have, amen? But I'm here to remind you that you're a palm tree. You're gonna bend because some of our storms are hard. I don't know many storms that are pleasant to be in the midst of. You're gonna bend, but you're not gonna break. And I'm here to remind you that God got you. You're not going to break. They're flexible, the palm trees. The other thing is they're full of fruit. And the older they get, the better the fruit. The better what they produce. So I'm here to remind you that when you're flourishing, when you're growing, it produces evidence. And then he talks about the cedar tree, a beautiful tree. And I don't know if, you know, my grandfather was a carpenter. And I know cedar is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful wood. The cedar is a strong tree. So you're a palm tree. You're flexible. It points up to heaven at all times. And even when it bends, it shoots right back up to heaven. Some of us are frustrated because we are bending in unnatural ways. We are so focused on what is going on, the problem around me, that I'm bending and my eyesight is only onto my problem when what we ought to be is doing like the palm tree and just allow to go back to its natural position and be extend, standing our arms unto heaven and beginning to glorify him because we know that this is not going to take us out. You got to stand straight and remind the enemy that whatever, I'm standing in the courts of the Lord. Straight up. Straight up. The cedar tree comes from the root word that says firmness, firmness on the root of roots. As a cedar tree, you're, you're firm. Your roots are firm, fully settled. In, this, in the ground, unmovable, unchangeable, unshakable. I love the cedar trees because the palm trees and the cedar trees, they grow in all kinds of different terrains. You know, you don't have to only have great weather for a palm tree to grow, and you don't only have to have great weather for a cedar tree to grow. And the cedar tree grows horizontally and or and vertically. That means that as a cedar tree, your relationship with your brethren is what's going to help you flourish as well. And your relationship with the Lord is definitely what's going to walk you um, and teach you how to flourish. That tree, the cedar tree, is used to build things. It was used to build part of the, um, the temple. Uh, David had a whole... ¿Cómo se dice? Palace. The palace where it was uh, made out of cedar. It's an evergreen. So that means that the leaves don't wither. Don't change colors just because the seasons are changing. And for some of us, we gotta remind ourselves that we are evergreens. 
or color or position or presence are never to change just because there is snow on the ground or because we're and the, the cedar also um, um, grows in the rocks, in the mountains, in the highest places with the most treacherous grounds, that's what the cedar grows. And you are a cedar tree. I said that it has to be evidence because when people come into our presence, they should be able to leave us full and build up. As a palm tree, I give fruits. As a cedar tree, you build people out. Who are you mentoring? Who are you building up? Do people come into your presence and leave hungry? Do they leave destroy and not hurt, the cedar tree is also a place of shade, right? Not shade the way we use the word shade, but that it provides shade, shadows and shade, okay? Others are waiting on our flourishing. The next thing I wanted to talk about, about flourishing and growth, is it requires a shift. For us to flourish, it requires a shift, a change. And sometimes we're not too comfortable with that. I say I'm comfortable with change until change takes place and it's required of me. And then I'm like, ah, not so comfortable, right? I, I'm, I'm a creature of habits. I need to have my office a certain way. I need to operate a certain way. Every morning I have a routine. And if my routine breaks, oh my God, you would have thought that the sun had been moved two inches to the left because, you know, I got to be able to come on time to work. I have to check my calendar for the day. I write down my by the hour what I'm going to do, but don't mess me up. Don't call me before I do that. Don't come to my office because then... But God and flourishing requires change. Psalms 92.13 says, those who have been replanted in the Lord's house will spring up in the courtyards of our God. Of our God. If I'm being replanted, that means that I was planted somewhere else. And now I'm going to be replanted in the course of our God. That talks about salvation. You were in the world, planted, but now you got to shift to be in the kingdom, replanted. And you can't bring the dirt. I do know how to replant a little bit. <laughs> Although I did try to replant tomatoes the other day, and I used a pot that I had another plant in, and my, I brought it in my house, and my husband said, where are all these ants coming from? Because, see, what I forgot is that to be replanted and grow, I need a different soil. I need a different soil. I can't use the soil here and bring it over here and think that it's going to grow the same way. It's not. I need a different type of water. I need a different fertilizer. I need a different pot. I can't use apparently the same pot that I use with another plant. It requires a shift. And how many times we don't want to shift because we're comfortable over here, right? We know how everything functions over here. We know that I can go to so-and-so and complain, and they're not going to challenge me. 
they're not gonna say uh, you need to prune that that attitude a little bit, right? They're not gonna say to me, that's not what God wants for you. They're gonna say, girl, you know you're right, but if I come over here where there are other palm trees and other cedars, I'm gonna be challenged and now I have to shift the way I think, the way I feel, the way I love, the way I communicate, the words that are coming out of my mouth, I gotta shift because now I'm representing someone else, which is Christ himself. The shift requires an alignment with what God has for me. I gotta align now to the original intent of why he had designed for me to be here. That's what the shift is all about. It requires a more mature walk. Being in the kingdom is not easy, but it's necessary. It requires for me to actively seek out spaces and opportunities to discern God's plans and purposes for us. That's what it does. A significant indication of truth, thank you, spiritual growth is a longing for God's presence. See, over here, I'm longing for other things, right? Thank you. I'm longing for my desires. I'm longing for what I want to do. But when I'm here, replanted in the courts of the Lord, now I'm longing for Him. And my longing for Him has to do something in me. It has to change my attitude. It has to change who I am. I can't love you the way I would have loved you over here because over here I might be selfish. But over here I'm required to be, uh, um, to do agape love, which is unconditional love. Over here I gotta be long suffering. Over here I can flip up, I can tell you off. Because there is no boundaries over here. But in here, I'm constrained by his love. Over here is where you want to be because that's where your flourishing will take place. The flourishing over there on the other ground is temporary. In, the, in, this, in this Psalms, if you go up, it talks about how you see the wicked flourish. How, but, remember how we say, when you say but, that means that it's going to eliminate everything that has been said before. It says, you will see the wicked flourish, but the godly. The wicked will flourish and it's going to be temporary, but the godly will flourish and it's going to be eternal. Over here, I'm only thinking about the present and here and operating in eternity, which makes a lot more, um, it gives you, you know, we were reading Purpose Driven Life, and it talks that when you start thinking in terms of eternity, it does something to you. You know, this is, comes and goes, but you're going to do and motivate yourself differently. The other great thing about flourishing It doesn't have an expiration day. You don't stop flourishing because you're 80 years old. You don't stop flourishing. And your flourishing begins the day that you are born. The word of God says, growing growing in grace, in verse 14, growing in grace, they shall still bring forth fruit in all age. They shall be full of sap or spiritual vitality and rich in the virtue of trust, love, and contentment. 
there is no expiration date. So if at this moment you're thinking, there's nothing I can be give to anybody because I'm too old for this. I hear that a lot because I work in higher ed and we have adult women coming and say, I should have done this before, but I'm too old now to go to school. I'm here to remind you that you're not too old because if you're operating in this realm of eternity, 80, 80 years is nothing. 50 years is nothing. Think about in eternity. That's good. That's good. Abraham was 80 years old when the promise was given. Moses was old when he was called to, re, to, to deliver Israel. Sarah was 80 years old, and you know the Bible says that she was dried up, but a baby was born. Mind you, I don't want to be Sarah. All right? I want to be Sarah. I'm not going to be Sarah. Noah was hundreds of years old when he started doing the, the ark. Jeremiah was a young man when God told him that he was going to be the prophet to the nations. David was 12 when he was anointed king. Joseph was around a teenager when he was sold and taken to um, Egypt and became second in command. Jesus was 30 years old when his ministry started. His disciples were under 30 years old when they came to him. Paul was young. And as you can see, all these are all people in different stages, all called for a purpose, all flourishing, all coming out of the ground to do what God wants to do. There is no retirement in the kingdom of God. Amen. 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 You don't retire from the kingdom of God. There is no going away and sitting by the beach and not doing anything. God has given us a purpose from Genesis. And he expects us to complete it until the day that we go home with him. Flourishing is a declaration and demonstration of God's goodness. That's what flourishing is. When you flourish, you're declaring to the world that you serve a good God, an amazing God. Psalms 92, 15 says, they, the palm, the, the palm tree, the cedar, the godly ass, right? That, that was my paraphrasing. But it says, they are there. We are here to show everyone that the Lord is good. He is my rock and he does no wrong. So when you don't know what your purpose is, your purpose is to show everyone that the Lord is good. Amen. There is nothing else. Your purpose, you can be a teacher, you can be a dean, you can be an automotive mechanic, you can be an electrician, you can be an, a carpenter, you can be a doctor, you can be a musical technician, whatever it is that you do with your hands, that's great. But everything that you do and everything that you are has only one sole purpose, which is to show everyone that the Lord is good. So I don't know what you're saying with your mouth when you're around people. I don't know how your attitude is at work. I don't know how um, you're treating others, but if you're not showing everyone that the Lord is good, then you're out of alignment. You're out of his will. There's a sole purpose. You got to show who God is. And I don't know about you, but when I start thinking about the goodness of God, when I think that he's alive forevermore, that
That he's the blessed hope, the bread of life, the comforter, the creator, the deliverer, the everlasting father, the faithful one and true, the good God, the healer, the hope of my salvation, the inhibitor of praise, uh, the inhabitor of praises, and that he's infinite, that he's just, that he's king, that he's king of kings, that he's the light, that he's merciful, that he's the name above every name, that he's omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient, that he's peace, because he is the prince of peace, that he's patient with me, that he's my promise keepers, that he's quick to understand me even when I don't understand myself, that he's the quencher of my soul when I'm thirsty and hungry after him, that I get him, that he's my redeeming, my resting place, my righteous one, the righteous one, the rock and my refuge. When I begin to realize that he's my savior, that he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, that he's my shepherd, when I know that he's my teacher and as a teacher he explains things to me, that he's upholder of all the things that even the kings are on the, t- on the palm of his hands when I know that he's the true vine and I'm attached to it and I get the nourishment that I ought to get because he is the vine. When he's my way maker, he's wonderful, who's worthy of our praise. When he's, that he's an excellent God, that he's my yes and amen, that he is my zeal. When I start to realize who God is, there's nothing more that I can do but to demonstrate and to show to the world that he's good. If you can't start worshiping, when you begin to realize who God is in your life, and for me, he was a healer. For you, he might be the provider. Whatever he is for you, that then you are appointed to heaven and say, that's my God. That's my God. And then when I'm praising him, others will join. And then the angels will join. And it begins a whole circle of just worshiping him because he's God. And he's God all by himself. And there's nothing that you can do to change his love for you. He's my foundation. He's secure. Psalms 92, 12 to 15 provides the who, the what, the how, the why, and the why of why we flourish. The who is us? We are the ones that ought to be flourishing. We are the trees planted by the water, Psalms 1 says. The how is only in his presence. So if you want to flourish, you ought to be in his presence every day. It can't be just on Sundays. It dries up. You don't just eat breakfast on Monday and then don't eat again until next Monday. The what? So we provide evidence, an outward sign of what God is doing on the inside. And the reason is to bring him glory. So when we grow spiritual, we live a F. And remember how I had it all spelled a little different, right? F is we live a fearless and faithful life. Second Chronicles says, he said, listen, all all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged. But this mighty army, by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours but God's. When you're in his presence, you understand that you're going to get a lot of testing. A lot of tribulation. The enemy is going to try to get you out of sword. That's his job. Right? He's good at it. But God is reminding you, don't be afraid. Because you're not, this is not your battle. We are in a fixed battle, right? We already have the belt. We don't even have to, to do anything. God or Christ already won that. 
the battle is not yours, but it's God. And I love it because in this story, Jehoshaphat was being um, harassed by four different kingdoms or so. And he says in there that they were all coming to attack him. And what he did wasn't just to get his army ready up. What he did is he called a fast. He went into the presence of God. He stood and sat in front of his face and said, God, what am I going to do? The problem is that sometimes ourselves, we're getting all these battles, all these enemies coming at us. And instead of standing in God's presence or kneeling in his presence and say, God, I need an answer, I go to Facebook and I post my problem. I call my friend because I like how she responds to everything because she's ready to fight with me. Wow. Right? But all I need to do is to go into his presence and say, God, what is it? I don't understand what's going on, but I know that you have the answer. God, show me. Tell me what to do. And God gave him the, what to say to the people. He said, he said to his people, now, think about it. He's the king, the judge, not the king. And he said, hey, people, I know you see all these armies all around us. Don't worry about it. Don't do nothing. Don't do anything. Double negative to make it a pause. Don't do anything. Because God said the battle is his. We're just going to be here worshiping him. Can you just sit there still and know that God is God? It is impossible to please God in fear. We can only do it when we operate in faith. The Bible says in Hebrews 11, 6, that it's impossible to please God without faith. When we flourish, we're going to grow in our love. We're going to love differently. 1 John 4, 19 says we are able to love God and other people because God loves us first. We might not understand a lot of things, but we do understand that God loved us first. And his love was different. So the love that I ought to show to others is the same love that God gave us. We love to say that Bible verse that love others as you love yourself. I'd rather you love me how you God loved me. Because that's really the true, theme of the true Bible verse. It says, love them as God loves them. Can you love the way God loves can you deny yourself? Can you crucify yourself so others can be healed? Can you forgive when they don't deserve it? He did in the cross. He, could you provide a family when they're the fatherless to the fatherless? Can you still in purpose when they're getting on your nerves? When we're spitting on you? When we're hitting you? Can we be patient to our husbands when they hurt you? Can you stop keeping score? Can we stop keeping score? That's good. Come on, say it again. That's good. Because he didn't. He doesn't. The word of God said that as far as the east is from the west, that's how he remembers. And guess what? As we study geography, we know that the east and the west never meet. So at no point God will ever bring back a sin to you. Wow. Instead, when the enemy comes in the, to the presence of God the Father, and he said, hey, look at Gladys. I told you that she was going to mess up. Jesus, the intercessor, the mediator, the, my advocate, gets up in front of God and said, look at my blood. She has been cleansed. I pay the price. That sin has been forgiven. So if God, the creator of everything, can do that with me, why am I keeping score of the wrongs you did to me? 
can you just stop keeping stores? It's healthier for you, actually. Don't even do it for anybody else. Just do it for yourself. I know, man. Running a little bit of time. Always for overcome. You're going to overcome whatever you're experiencing right now. The Lord says, the word says in Romans 8.37, but we are able to overcome all these things and more through his love. Thank you again for checking out our podcast. If you would like to find information about who we are or how to donate so that we can keep doing what we're doing, please check us out at www.scarletnotes.org. See you next time.